I think before we start today's show, I want to just give a big shout out to everybody that listens to the show because <laughs> shout, shout them out. Shout out to everybody. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we review and discuss movies, trailers, TV shows, pretty much everything else pop culture. Uh, today we'll be taking a look at the sixth and seventh episodes in the third season of the Disney Plus original series, The Mandalorian. My name is Ivan, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and lead jet from Benny and the Jets, Emmett. I got my electric boots on today. <laughs> God. It's been a minute. We skipped a week. Yeah, well, we I think we chose wisely. <laughs> on all the weeks we could skip, that was the, worth one. I know the intro says we're talking about episode six and seven, but we're mostly talking about episode seven here. Um, yeah. Shades I, of six will appear. Yeah, we'll kick things off with six in a little bit. I, I feel like there's there's only like three or four things I want to say about it, uh, and then we'll move on from there. But you know what? Why don't you kick us off with your wall? Because I've, I I want to go over some of the Star Wars Celebration stuff, and some of this stuff might be new to you, so I kind of want to get your perspective on things. But what, you, what do you got for us this week? Quick wall hits. I got two. First, I went and saw the Super Mario movie. Did you get to go to see this? I did see the Super Mario Bros. the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was surprisingly well done. It was pretty funny. I think for the adults, you're going to get like the nostalgic hits. And for the kids, like there was definitely a lot of kids in our audience. And they were laughing out loud at parts. So I thought it was, it's going to do well with a lot of different um, audiences there. And I think the thing that we were probably worried about the most was like Chris Pat being Italian. And yeah. I think they did a pretty funny job of like addressing that at the beginning and then moving <laughs> yeah. on from it. So I had no I had no problems with it. And we had that little cameo from the actual voice of Mario. The the guy that gives him the little Yahoo and the Yeah, the, yeah. 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 Yep. I, I thought they, they handled that really well too. Like because yeah, when you really think about it, it is kind of offensive to to have him walk around. Like I I feel like you can handle it for a video game, but for an entire movie, it probably will go would go get a little bit stale. Yeah, it's always questionable with voice actors, but I thought they did a pretty good job. I mean, I, I would say go see it in theaters. It's like it's a fun one. For sure. Take your kids to go see it, especially that like, I'm debating whether to take my niece or not. She hasn't been to a movie yet. But I feel like I feel like she's at the age where she could finally have the patience to sit down <laughs> yeah. and watch something that length. So we'll see. Did you get your uh, little Mario popcorn tin? I know you're a big collector of those things. Dude, I did. <laughs> I did not. The, the AMC <laughs> in AMC 19th was completely out of it. Yeah, so was our AMC. Did you see they're on track to make a billion dollars from this movie, which is going to be crazy wow. if, they, if oh. they hit that. Yeah. That is pretty surprising, but I mean, it's kind of, I don't know if I would say it's worth it, but it is like, it is a fun one to go check out. Well, the thing too is like, until like May, I guess, they don't really have a, any competition until Guardians hits theaters. Yeah, that's true. And then it's going to be a little bit of a slaughter fest between May and end of June. Did you see how many movies are dropping? Man, that's like yeah, a big blockbuster every week. Nuts. Pays to be a AMC Stubbs member. <laughs> that I might fair. get back onto it, honestly. I might get back. Just for those two or three months, I feel like it, it'd be worth it if if, if we're, they're dropping that many movies. But Yeah, that, that's yeah. what I liked about AMC. It was like you can start and stop it whenever you want. I remember with like Movie Pass, it was like you can't cancel. And if you do, like... You can't get back on it for like three more months afterwards or something like that. It was crazy at the beginning of this. They still owe me like 30 something dollars or something. <laughs> Movie Pass 2. I think I they, they revived it, right? I, I think. Yeah, yeah, it came back. I got to look into that. I don't, I don't know what's going on with it. You don't need another one. I've, you got no, I, just, I just need my $30 back. <laughs> I want the Monopoly. <laughs> um, and then I do owe apologies, but it is going to be with a grain of salt. Um, oh. I recently, for the fourth or fifth time, uh, picked up Andor again. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and I get what everyone says where it's like, get past episode six and it, it starts getting good. Because then I was like able to get into it and be like, all right, how's the next one play off the, the previous? It's just like, I don't know if I can recommend it to people saying you have to watch half this season to really get into it 
Because it's not even like with Game of Thrones, it's like, yeah, give it a few episodes and then you'll get into it. It's like, okay, yeah, you have six seasons or seven seasons after that. Plus those first three episodes are better than you think. You're just confused. This is just like, they're just slow and they weren't that exciting. That's the thing. Like, I think like, and I, I think I told you this before, but like, I think the performances on the show are absolutely brilliant. But the pacing and like, the, like it's almost like you're justifying that it's Star Wars. Like, like for example, the the you know the 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 season with um where they the season the episode of Mando where they go to fight the pirates, right? If if this was Andor, it would take them two episodes to come to the conclusion that they're going to help Grief Karga. It'll take them a, a third episode to figure out how to do it, and then finally in the fourth episode, you see some action. Like that's that's kind of how it goes. It's tough. It's a tough recommendation, but I I like it for the world building aspects of it and the fact that it's not like traditional Star Wars. At the same time, that's not everybody's what everybody is tuning in for the Star Wars brand, you know. Like, but I don't know. I I I loved it. I thought at the end, like a lot of it was like really really nuanced things, and and I appreciate it for what it is. But you're right. It's not everybody's cup of tea, and I think the viewership kind of shows that too. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely loved the second half of it but then you can't ignore the first half and like exclude it from your grading of the entire show and i think that's the only thing that brings it down it's like it just took so long to get into something exciting plus there's some questions that like were left unanswered of like i know they're building up for season two but there were some simple things that like they started really building and focusing on like his childhood and coming from that one planet and did nothing with that yeah, that kind of had me scratching my head a little bit because I feel like you get little tidbits throughout the rest of the series, but I don't think you you just start scratching the surface of him. So I, I do hope we focus more on Andor because I think, to me at least, he was the least interesting character from this show. And like I really loved the character of Luthen. I thought he had some of the best yeah. dialogue, like especially that little speech he gives to one of his spies. I mm-hmm. think it's like the second to last episode or something. Yep. But like that to me, like... I can go back and rewatch that one monologue. Um, it's kind of Game of Thrones in in that way, but I think like pacing and everything else is like a little bit. It's 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 a little weird. Well, you get Kyburn in there too. Yeah. Game of Thrones. <laughs> There's a lot he's, of them. He's so sinister. He's so good in the Empire role. There's a lot of crossover we're gonna get. Westeros to to the Star Wars galaxy here. Yeah. But yeah, so that's my semi-apology that. You know what? It's not that bad, but I also can't recommend it. <laughs> no, I, I get you. I totally, totally understand. But I, I'm glad you gave it a shot and you actually got through the rest of the season. Fourth time's um, a charm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about Star Wars Celebration. It's the... Oh, yeah. For anybody not in the know on it, it's uh, every year or so uh, Star Wars convention that happens. Um, I was going to hit you up after this weekend once they made the announcement where the next celebration was going to happen um because i was hoping it'd be in florida again because honestly like i i want to go maybe gather up a little group to go uh, i've never been to a star wars celebration i've been to like a comic con before but like a formal star wars celebration i've never been to before um it sounds like the next one's going to be in japan but um and in 2024 i think no yeah no no sorry 2025 konnichiwa yeah so i'm kind of thinking of putting a little bit of coins in the piggy bank you know like this is starting to save up <laughs> but we'll see it's far away and that sounds like an expensive trip anyway the news coming out of celebration we got a lot of things coming uh we saw the ahsoka trailer come into fruition uh you and i kind of touched on that a little bit before we started recording but um that ahsoka trailer i guess we could start there that that was a really really nice surprise uh, to me and um it gets me really excited to see what's going on because like we're finally getting some answers on thrawn um and i feel like at least for the season the second season of mando it's kind of heavily teased this whole thing this whole story coming into fruition and as somebody that watched rebels i thought this being like essentially a sequel to that is exciting to kind of see some of the characters trans- transition from animation to live action I think this might be the most significant jump from animation to to live action that we've seen because these are a lot of characters coming in. It's not just like a one-off. Yeah, I think this is going to be like a grand slam for those that watched Rebels 
I think this can be like a normal home run for anyone who hasn't. It really depends on how they inform the audience of what's happened because that's going to be a really tough line to watch. Like there's a lot of people that are going to be watching this show that haven't watched Rebels. And if you spend too much time explaining things, then the people who have watched Rebels are going to be a little bit annoyed. Um, So it's going to be a really tough line to walk. But just looking at the quality of this trailer, like this looks like it could be one of the best series out of all these like Star Wars spinoff series. It looks very lore heavy, and I'm I'm very much looking forward to to that. I think that's the one element that I feel like Star Wars never really disappoints in is like building up that world and like you know working also, within like, those set rules. Like all the characters look spot on, like, and we got a, t- a, a taste of that with um with Zeb last week. Yeah, last, uh, two weeks ago in Mando, it's like or was that Mando? Yeah, that was. Yeah, yep. I'm watching too many shows at one time here. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we got like a taste of it. And it's like, if they can nail that, they can nail anyone else in this show. And I think, you know, not just lore side of it that you're talking about, but also just like quality of it is going to be amazing. They are getting Lars Mikkelsen back to play Thrawn, who's, you know, voiced him. And I thought like he looks amazing as Thrawn. There's a leaked image running around of the exclusive footage they showed at the panel. So very much spot on Thrawn. I heard I saw some like Elon Musk comparisons because it said it looks like he, he took Elon Musk and painted him blue. But I mean, like that, you know, the actor kind of skews that way <laughs> a little bit in appearance. Um, but I, I thought it looked good. They gave him the little glowing red eyes effect. So that was nice to to see that they're keeping that. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 excited. I think um, you know, more than anything else, this this seems like Dave Filoni's passion project. So the fact that they're adapting some of the more beloved aspects of Star Wars, like the Edge of the Empire novels, to fit into the new canon, I thought was pretty good. Um, the other thing that came out of it was a couple of announcements. Bad Batch Season 3 is coming next year, which will be its final season. Um, I think I shared before, but like I thought this season of Bad Batch got really, really good. I think a quarter of the way into the season, and it just it kept getting better and better. Um, I, I am glad, though, that they're finishing it up with season three because it shows that they have a plan in store for, you know, ending these stories instead of just kind of aimlessly going and hoping that the show continues for a long time. Um, contrary, I guess, to some people, I, I do kind of like the fact that endings are plotted through and that we, we're not going to go beyond, you know, overstay its welcome, I guess. So that was great to hear um and or season two is coming also it sounds like we're going to be getting in the summer of next year so it's a bit of a wait but i think the show like to me like hopefully it garners enough more attention because i feel like it wasn't promoted all that much but by the time it shows up i hope the ratings are a little bit better um then we had a little preview about of skeleton crew which is the jude law starring show we got a few confirmation on the details, so just to re or um, kind of revisit those details a little bit. But uh, um, the director for the Spider-Man movies from the MCU is going to be tackling this show, uh, working closely with John Favreau. It's going to be taking place during the Mando universe. Um, as we, I think you or I kind of mentioned this, but like the pirates that were introduced in this season of Mando are showing up in that show. And it will um, basically center around Jude Law's character, who is apparently a teacher in this galactic school, taking these kids on a field trip, and they get lost in the outer rim of the Star Wars universe, the uncharted areas, basically, of the Star Wars world. So it's their adventure to get back home, essentially. So he's like playing Dumbledore again. Essentially, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm curious to see it though. Like, let's see where where it goes. That that's one of the more oddball approaches. Like, obviously, these are kids being cast into these roles, right? So, it's going to be like the very youthful view on Star Wars. Um, it sounds promising though, from like a quality perspective. So, I'm looking forward to see what they do. I mean, it sounds uh, fun. The one show though, I'm really looking forward to is Acolyte, and this is the Leslie Headland uh, line show. Um, taking place, I think, about 100 years before Phantom Menace, and we'll tell the story of how the Sith start infiltrating the Jedi around that time. So it's basically um, the High Republic era is what they're calling it. But 
Um, they did show off a little bit of footage, also not released to the public, just a panel thing. But like, if you look on Twitter, there's a couple of like leaked um, images and uh, grabs from people. Um, it's very martial arts driven. So the the lightsaber fights that we saw in the prequels with the acrobatics and all that are are making a comeback with this show. And they've even hired like a bunch of like really famous like stunt coordinators that have worked on uh some japanese like swords uh sword fighting films uh from the past so i'm excited to see where that goes um i think they're gonna have to touch on darth plagius and darth sidious in that era so yeah we'll we'll see but that that's all the shows um i've been doing a lot of talking <laughs> but i got one little bit left here um the movies there was a big announcement of three movies coming out and you and I were kind of talking about this before we started um, recording, but uh, the first movie up is apparently going to be a Ray-centered film. So we're bringing Ray Skywalker, I guess, back, um, and it will be taking place 15 years after the rise of Skywalker. Uh, we'll follow the story of Ray protecting the New Jedi Order from a new threat that threatens to dismantle it again. Um, so it sounds like we're pressing forward with the sequel trilogy stuff. I, like I, I do, I do hope that they do justice by Daisy Ridley. I think she deserves to have a really good movie with a quality script in front of her. Uh, I am excited to see what they do with the future because I think, like, the, more than anything else, like that that is the Star Wars future, right? Like we're we're playing in the Mandalverse right now, but I think at some point you got to step forward into the future with it, and I hope they do a better job this time than than the last. But um, did yeah, you see I any feel of this? Like I feel like she didn't get that raw of a deal. I feel like fans were pretty harsh on her for uh, like reasons I don't understand. I really feel like Finn got the worst deal. Uh, yeah. John Boyega. Like, I don't know. I thought his plot could have gone a lot differently and a lot better. But maybe he gets time in this movie. I, I haven't really seen anything about this one. I, I only caught... Um, either the second or third title that you're going to talk about. I think they are in the works of bringing him back is what I've heard. Um, yeah. But the, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I know the actors kind of soured on the role too, like just yeah. like the way uh, Oscar Isaac is also. Um, But I, I do, I do hope so, man. Like I, I did like the sequel trilogy in, in, in some aspects. I feel like it's not like the best, obviously you can see the things in, in, in chips, right? The, the more you take a little broad look, but I loved Ray. I loved Finn. I loved Poe. I just wish they would have balanced the story out better. I, I, and I do agree. I, I think Ray got the better end of the stick on, on all of those movies. Um, the the Ray Kylo Luke stuff was always a hit with me. I didn't think any of that was 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 too bad. Yep. But it's just like this Finn plot line where it's like, is he being, is he a Jedi? Is he force sensitive? And it's okay if you choose not, but then just like to give him this weird love story arc didn't really make sense. No. And I think they'll, they'll probably rectify it. Like, honestly, I, I think Disney has kind of learned its lesson up to this point with what they did wrong with the, with the sequels. That, and it's also like, you know, to bring it up, especially now nowadays with uh, the whole push for like more like social inclusion and that kind of thing, like they really did a bit a bit of a switch on on Finn, right? They like promised a little bit of a central role, and you really did get that in Force Awakens. I still stand by Force Awakens. I think it's one of the most fun Star Wars movies ever. Uh, so it was disappointing to see that they didn't really follow through on that. Um, the second movie that was talked about is, I think, the most. The one that got the most attention just because we know very little of it, but James Mangold, who's directed Logan, um, which I still think one of the best comic book movies of all time, um, is yep. apparently working on a Dawn of the Jedi film, um, which will tackle the first the story of the first ever Jedi, the establishment of the force sensitive people, and the first Jedi temple. Um which sounds really fun. He describes it as a biblical, like a Star Wars biblical type story, which matches what, you know, I feel like has been established in, in the lore. Um, 
And the fact that it's James Mangold, I think to me, gets me excited just because he's always been like to anybody like in, in Hollywood. I think he's well known to be the guy that sticks by his guns creatively. Like he will, he is one of those directors that will fight the studio on interference and stuff uh, whenever he believes it to 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 be um, necessary. So I am excited to see his name in the ring there, and 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 I hope we get to see more and and just kind of see where it goes. They didn't offer any dates for any of these movies except for the next one I'm going to talk about. But uh, it sounds to me from what they've said, the Ray movie is going to come up first. Uh, which will be the the uh, winter of 2025, and I believe the year after that we would follow the other films, so one after the other. Uh, so I think this one's second on the list in terms of release. Um, yeah, this this is the one I heard about, and I think I'm most excited for this. Just it sounds really cool. The I, he's done so many great movies, Ford versus Ferrari as well. Like I, I think it's going to come out really, really well. I'm excited for that. I, I think, you know, somebody of his caliber, I didn't think would be interested in directing a Star Wars film. But the fact that he's the one that pitched this idea and wanted to get it off the ground, like, to me, it gives me hope. Um, the last one is, I think, something that was lightly mentioned, but I always thought they weren't going to do a movie. I thought they were going to do a Disney Plus event on this. But Dave Filoni is is getting into the director's chair for a movie um, centered around the Mandoverse or so, tying up the story of all these shows that he and John Favreau have created. So Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, the Ahsoka series, I guess Skeleton Crew, like anything that's touching this era is going to have a story that culminates in a big movie. Uh, I think the 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 conclusion everybody's drawing is that it's going to be an adaptation of Heir to the Empire, a series of novels by Timothy Zahn. I think like I th- I'm excited for it just because I feel like there you know we're finally giving this guy the platform that i think he's so rightfully deserves um and yeah like i've been you know we've been critical of some of the stuff coming out of mandalorian book of boba fett especially uh but i think uh for the most part i've enjoyed it and i think that the fact that this guy is one of the ones one of the last creative folks that was kind of had any sort of guidance from george lucas kind of understand his world more than anybody else. So I'm excited to see what he does with it. Yeah, good for Filoni. Get your name on some more stuff there. Get that check. <laughs> yeah, you haven't done enough. <laughs> I'm sure but it'll be great. I don't think this movie's coming out, though, for another six years or so. I think that's kind of the <laughs> expectation. Yeah. Why do they even bother doing these announcements? That's what I was kind of... So that's what I want to get your, your take on, because... You know, we, we kind of have jokingly have talked about this before, but like Lucasfilm is notoriously terrible at like announcing projects and then completely ditching them. At, a, at an investor's call a couple years ago, Kathleen Kennedy talked about Taika Waititi's film, the Ryan Johnson trilogy, the uh, Patty Jenkins movie. They even had a whole little teaser with her in the X-Wing. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but like then they had a Boba Fett movie that was going to be directed by Josh Trank. Um, and then the, supposedly Kevin Feige was working on something in that same investors call. None of that came to fruition. Are these empty promises also, or are we actually going to get something, you know, like I'm excited, but I'm also like, I'm hesitant because I've been enjoying the, the Disney plus stuff. I, to me, it's like, I wouldn't mind staying in this realm for, for a little while more at least. Yeah. It does feel a little bit like empty promises. It's like, I mean, it's a CEO telling the world like oh no we have cool stuff coming out stay on board don't don't bail on us yet like so some of it has to be taken with a grain of salt but i think fans are pretty good about you know trying to keep these people honest with what they're promising but it is like you don't have to talk to us about the next decade like dc just did the same thing where it's like an eight-year plan or something like that like we don't need that just tell us what's coming out in the next couple years I think the thing too is like they're trying to like mimic the Marvel formula, but I think the, the problem is that Marvel at least is consistent about its release dates, and DC is inconsistent because it changes it every every couple months or so. You know, God forbid one of their actors stays out of trouble for a little bit to <laughs> prevent this kind of thing from happening. But but and and Star Wars is just as notorious for getting rid of talent. So I, I hope things change. 
you know, I'm excited for the announcements. I'm just not putting a lot of stock into them just yet. And that wraps up my thoughts. <laughs> my very lengthy wall. You got any more things here? Jeez, man. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. We'll me. make up. We'll make up time when we talk about chapter twenty-two. Yeah. Why don't you uh, kick why don't we, things off on that? <laughs> yeah. Why don't we just talk about that one exclusively, real quick, and then we'll do the other episode. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is. We've had throwaway episodes this season, and we've had like exciting ones, and this kind of feels more on that side of the spectrum of a throwaway. Um, while the the investigation side of it, like the detective side of these shows, I think they did pretty good on with like exploring why these droids are malfunctioning and um, like you kind of have to do the, they're back on that formula of like we have a mission for you to get what you want. You have to do this first, uh, which is totally fine because we haven't ha- really had that many of those this season. It's all been like he's designing his own path. But I just think the, the like, I don't know if it's fanfare or if it's just, like, doing cameos for cameos sake. It just is too distracting. I'd rather have unknown actors play these roles. Like, we don't need Lizzo, Jack Black, and Christopher Lloyd. Like, it's too many. Yeah. I um, I agree. I think this episode episode six just to be clear um i don't think it necessarily fit the rest of the season um it don't get me wrong i had fun with it and i think nine times out of ten i'd still rather watch this over something else right just because it's star wars but i i also feel like like to a degree like you said like having one celebrity guest cameo is fine having two questionable having three like that's pushing it quite a bit and we had three here. We had Christopher Lloyd, who I thought was the least distracting out of everybody. Um, we had Jack Black and we had Lizzo. And the thing is, like, I saw a lot of like fan hate for Lizzo and Jack Black because of the episode. I, I don't fault them at all for this. I think that they needed to, like, the, the creators, I guess, of the show, like, needed to get their heads together and really realize how to best use these people for cameos. Like I would have had Lizzo as a as a cantina singer or something, right? Like make use of her talent for it because I think that's that's her biggest strong suit. Don't put her in front of the camera if you know she's struggling with it. That 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 that's just like unfair for the, for the talent. But that's the thing. Like they did fine in the roles. It's just like distracting when it's people you know are famous for something else put in here because they're friends with the studio. You know that's what it comes off as. It it does, but it, it also like because there's too many, it's super distracting. It took me completely out of it yeah. for, for for a bit of it. And Star Wars has always been like cameo friendly for celebrities because they want to be in that world, but they always do it as like you can voice this droid or you can voice the stormtrooper or like something that's you're not on screen so it doesn't distract the audience. But here it was just like we'll take over the episode for you. Right. It it just felt like the story fell short and like it kind of failed the performers also uh, on it. Um like I like Lizzo wasn't the worst actress, but like I, I do think that the dialogue they gave her was flat to begin with. And so then to like have her perform that for way too long, it just poked more and more holes on it, especially when you put somebody like like uh, Katie Sackoff as Bo Katan right next to her, you know, acting if you can't bounce off of each other, it becomes like notably obvious um but it, it just like i don't know it, it didn't it didn't fly right with me <laughs> and it was just way too distracting now that being said the last 10 minutes of this of this episode where we actually see some progress i enjoyed those last 10 minutes i i also have a few issues with the narrative in there i think that giving up the dark saber was a little too um convenient i i mean we had talked about this before and it made sense to you, me. You called it. <laughs> I just didn't think it would go this way. <laughs> you got to think dumber, Ivan. Get on my level. <laughs> Come down to my level. <laughs> you were dead on. I mean, we can go. Like, I went back and listened to our, our third episode on it. Because, like, 
yeah, technically. It's just such a simple explanation for like, how do we get this in Bo's hands? Because we're steering her towards leadership. Yeah. Which... It's nice that he came up with the idea, though. He pulled a Jon like Snow. She... Yeah, and it wasn't like she had to challenge for it or have to call up that moment. But you, if you look back at that episode of going back to the minds of Man- Mandalore, you can see her like when he's waking up, she's just like eyeing up the saber that she's like laid out all of his stuff that he's dropped. Like you can see she wants it. So it seemed kind of obvious to get there, but it is kind of also like the lazy route to get there. Yeah. I, I just think there wasn't a lot. Like here's the thing. This whole season has been going out of its way to show that Bo-Katan has a natural leadership role down, like down to a T. Din still has a lot of growing to do in that pers- in that respect. Um, but then again, there's stuff that he does very efficiently that she doesn't. Like, like he was able to get through the Ognots way faster than she ever could. He's like the the common man found in the place of you know power, essentially. So I, I do think they're building out to him eventually being the leader, but I don't think he's there yet. And I don't think we're going to see that this season. I think we'll see it in future seasons. If we do go that route, like this is just me speculating, right? But I, I do think he's destined to be in that leadership role. It's just like not yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, like I, I don't, I don't think she's in that great of a position of being a good leader either. I think she fails like so often. It doesn't seem like she learns from her failures. Th- so that's where I, I wanted to talk on that too. Like, we could, we should just get into episode seven too, because like I think we're already kind of leading up. We're to pretty that. much done with six. We promise yeah. to be short. So I agree. Like th- here's the thing. Like I think she has good leadership skills, but she lacks in the in the little things that I feel like make a big difference. And, like, what I mean by that is, like, for example, the Ugnaught situation was one, right? But, like, when we look at episode seven, that ability to step in and stop the conflict between two, you know, in this case, it was Paz Vizsla and, and, and uh, Axe Woves. That was Grogu doing that, which is the logical thing to do as a leader, right? Like, you don't, you need every single troop you have at your disposal in her position. So why let them potentially kill each other? (laughs) Just because it's tradition, I guess. But, like, I don't know. Like, there are certain things that kind of make me question things. Um, But on episode seven, I do want to say one thing. Uh, It's called The Spies. And I know we opened with The Spies. Right, we finally got a little bit of um, resolve with the whole Ilaria Kane situation and Coruscant. So we were basically right; she was working for Gideon. Um, but I don't see another spy for the rest of this show, and so I, it kind of makes me wonder if the Mandos have a traitor in their midst somewhere, and like we're not going to get a delivery on that until this finale coming up. Because it's spies, plural, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah, that is a good question. I didn't, I didn't really think about that, but it is convenient how Moff is set up so perfectly for his ambush at the end of this. Yeah, him and his episode. cultural appropriation <laughs> right there. <laughs> I'll carry on your legacy. Um. um yeah, no, but that is, it was. I let's take it from the beginning. Yeah, because I think this is the intro that we wanted. I think we get to understand why there were Beskar elements left on the ship that uh, Moff was kept on. It's because he has his like army. He's been growing, and I think he also just kind of wanted to frame the Mandalorians. Um, right. we got confirmation that the pirates' attack was orchestrated by. Moff. It's so it's odd though that he's so out of touch that he didn't know that it was a not it wasn't a success. Yeah. Um, well, that there's really no make sense. there's no comms on Mandalore, right? That was the whole. But then then again, how's he receiving that com? Yeah. So there there's some question marks here, but we also get to see like the rest of the. Um, Commandants and commanders who are kind of like the remnants of 
the Empire, who have been running some of those shipping lane blockades, so that one of them, we don't need to know which one, attacked Bo and her home uh, in the earlier episode. But then they mentioned Thrawn by name, but uh, Moff points out that like we haven't seen him or, or gotten confirmation that he's actually back, just that he will be back soon. Yeah, we got the uh, the Shadow Council, is what they call themselves. Right? The, mm-hmm. And there's a couple notable people in that Shadow Council. There's General Hux's dad. Yeah. Uh, who was, Ar- what's his name? Ar- Armitrage Hux or something like that. All I remember was hearing Hux. And I was like, oh, it's it's Donald Gleason's brother in hologram form. <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, is this supposed to be the guy we know? But no, it was his dad. Then we also got Captain Pelion, who I think we only ever saw in Rebels. Um was Thrawn's right-hand man. Uh, he played a much bigger part in the novels, so it was it was it was fun to see him there as the as the one guy that was like super loyal to to Thrawn. Um, the others I I don't really recall all that much. Apparently there is some significance to them, but that's just like I I don't know. We'll find out when we find out. <laughs> um, but those are the two notable ones that that I saw, and and the interesting part about them is like their reference to other projects that they're working on. The direct reference to that Project Necromancer thing, which was the the program to bring back Palpatine as a clone. Um, but it sounds to me like the dynamic of all these guys is that each of them is kind of working on their own thing. And so there's some sort of unition, but not necessarily... Uh, like, this isn't the first order, I guess. Um, not yet, anyway. Yeah, they all want the same end result to see, like, the empire to come back but they have no idea how to get there which is really like a tell of how the empire was run where it was just one yeah. person calling all the shots and then just ruling them with fear which is a really good like visual to see in andor that's like the one thing i really liked out of it it was like all these generals are just ruling their subordinates with fear yeah it, it just demonstrated how the, like why things split out to the faction that they were um after the the collapse of the empire yep uh but hey for anything that i've called this season i think you have the best call with grogu getting a mech suit on navarro <laughs> i i laughed when that ended up happening i was like i do it <laughs> Once I saw Babu Frick climbing out of that, I was like, oh, man, they're going to trade places and Ivan's going to be right. And sure <laughs> enough. It just it makes sense because it makes Grogu more like useful in, in, in combat and stuff. Like, Because otherwise it becomes like a protect the baby situation all the time. Yeah. yeah and he kind of becomes like an, a little bit of a dick. That's it. <laughs> yeah, he does. Too much power gone to his head. Listen, I I love the use of it, and I think this gives them an excuse to give him that lightsaber uh, sequence, like whether it's the dark saber or like Yoda's you lightsaber. You think he's getting a lightsaber with the IG body? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's getting it this season, but I think it's possible now because like it would look like you you brought this up a, a, a couple episodes ago, but like the even the CGI Yoda sequence where he's fighting with the saber, it looks a little ridiculous, but. Somebody in the mech suit able to wield that? I mean, technically, we saw that with Grievous before. I was going to say, give him three more, and then he's just Grievous. (laughs) No, but it it would make sense. It's great. And it also, like, allows you to go into something that we would normally have to wait 50 years more to kind of see out of Grogu. You know, like, I don't don't hate the idea. I think it sounds a little silly, but I think in execution, it could be done really well. Yeah, but at the speed that they move between episodes, it's going to take them a whole other season for him to become, like, acquainted with that suit. I don't know. I, I think it'll take them, like, a few episodes, but I don't think a whole season. Like, this is an Andor, you know? <laughs> if this was Andor, we'd see the creation of this suit. But no, no, no. What did Grogu accomplish this season? We're, we have one episode left. What has he really done? He had one paintball fight. Uh, he hung out with Lizzo. Uh, sure. <laughs> he helped Lizzo win that game of whatever they were doing. Which is the equivalent of like stealing some kids' cookies in the other season. Like he does such little baby steps, which I get. It's a species, but like, I, I'm just saying this as like a point to don't get too excited that like you're going to see him in full Grievous, you know, capabilities. 
No, but I think we're going to start to, to see the, the beginnings of it. I, I do think Grogu is going to become a little bit of a legacy character. Because I, I, like, I, I do think that this is one character that even after we wrap all this up, we're going to see again in like the Ray movies or stuff. Like, yeah, he, he's a moneymaker. Yeah, yeah, he, they'll keep bringing him back. Unless they kill him off like they should. Oof, okay. <laughs> that's, that's a bit dark, but okay. <laughs> Pull out the heartstrings. These Imperial Stormtroopers that are dressed in Beskar garb. Um, they remind me of the Mandalorian Super Commandos, who were Mandalorians that deserted and became Imperials. Are they the same? Because I, I, I kind of feel like it's the same people. They look at the design from Rebels and then look at this design. They look exactly the same. They shoot like they were aiming at a big pond of water. So maybe they are Mandalorians. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, they're in a deserted planet, more or less. Who do they got to shoot there? Why are they all shooting each other? They are wearing bulletproof armor. Like, what is the point of this? Well, it's not necessarily bulletproof, though. Like, it does get penetrated after a little while because not all of them are wearing, like, a pure Beskar armor. Look at, like, Mando, is his attack form in that sequence. He's just straight up, like, runs through the line <laughs> of fire just to tackle the guys. Well, I don't know. So I, I I did a very nerdy thing with this episode. I went back. Sure you did. I was looking at it in, like, slow-mo. And I noticed that there was more than a handful of shots where the Mandos from, from the Covert and the Night Owls are going straight in, stabbing them through the gaps of the armor. And then also hitting them in the chin, like getting close up and like blasting them in the chin. <laughs> so like I, I do like that they have that layer of because like any shots from like above, I think the only ones that were doing any damage was Paz Vizla's giant blaster cannon thing. Which, by the way, let's talk about him for a minute. <laughs> yeah, that was like he picked up some sort of perk. That just let him shoot forever. I've shot those guns in Battlefront, and you have to keep doing <laughs> cooldown charges. They finally see hit why. him. They finally hit him with it. You saw how glowing red that thing got. Yeah, but then he still didn't lose, even after that. He just used it as like a hammer, still won, and then you get the honor guard, which kind of cool to see them come back. The Praetorians, yeah. I kind of called it a little bit a couple weeks ago. I was like, I yeah, remember did. reading in this little guide that they had traces of Beskar. I was like, maybe we'll see Praetorians. And there you go. Um, He went out like a champ, though. I I, I did love the progression of, of Paz Vizsla. I'm a little upset that they killed him off. But at the same time, I am kind of glad because it's it, it reintroduces stakes to us that I feel like have, hasn't really been present for a while. Um, like the pirates, they got off of that so easy. Like, I don't think they lost a single person. Um, and now, like, they kind of because Paz Bizla's dead, it kind of shows you how formidable these this new threat for them is. Um, the funny part about that whole sequence was the fact that he was like, There's too many of them, and then like closes the door and then proceeds to completely destroy, <laughs> still wins the fight against all of them. Yeah, yeah. if it yeah, wasn't that... for the Praetorians, he'd gotten away. Do you think he did what he did just because um what's that other guy's name? Axe Wolves Wolves. He flew up through that crack to go warn the fleet. Do you think like cause throughout this whole episode, it's Vizsla versus this guy in like right. who can one up each other. Like when they first meet, when they're eating dinner, when they're like playing chess on that ship. It's all a competition of like who can volunteer first for this mission, who can like be stronger. And I feel like he does this thing just because he sees Axe does this other heroic stunt. I mean, I want to say no, right? But like, I want to put it past him. Um, you're right. I mean, I didn't really pay too much attention to that detail, but you're right. They were pretty much neck and neck. Would you put it past him? <laughs> I would. I wouldn't put it past him. Um. <laughs> That's going to be one sad kid back in Navarro, though. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that kid. I always forget about that kid. At least there's still a Vizsla out there, you know? Um, look, can I also, like, the, the, um, the Praetorians taking him out, like, I'm excited to see those guys take on Bo and Din in the next episode, or probably Bo, because I think Din's a bit tied up at the moment. Um, Oof. 
too soon. <laughs> that the capture of Din was was a little heartbreaking to see, um, mostly because it led to what it led up to, right? But I think, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, there was so much good about this episode that it was hard to kind of process everything. This detail about the spies title that I just shared uh, earlier, I, I do think that there's something more that hasn't been addressed yet. And at first I thought maybe the armorer is a spy because she leaves at the most convenient time. I also thought maybe those new Mandos that they brought on, that they came across on that skiff were spies because how could you be living on the planet and not realize it has been taken over by Imperials this whole time? Um, maybe Axe Woes is the spy because he conveniently ditches <laughs> the entire group. I, I don't know. I feel like there's an element of that that I might be overthinking it. This might be just like a take what you get at face value thing. But... Yeah, I th- I, I want to say there's no spies in there. Um, but I, I would say if if there is one, it's probably Axe. I think he like wants his command back in some way and will foolishly believe Moff when he says you help deliver them and I'll let you take over the planet or something like that. I think you're on to something because like they, they all there's also the detail of how Bo-Katan lost that dark saber and the negotiation she did and how she was betrayed by Moff. I feel like they wouldn't get that specific if if it wasn't going to be played to some degree. Yeah, and that seems like a very repeatable thing in this effect. Do you suspect the armor, though? Like, Because I feel like everybody I've talked to is like, oh, she definitely betrayed them. I don't think so. The only thing that visually would make me suspect her a bit is the fact that, like I said, she left early. And also, like, Moff Gideon's new Mando getup also has horns placed in a similar <laughs> way that, that her helmet has. Yeah, I felt like he was just going for a Darth Maul look. <laughs> They're all just posers. <laughs> well, didn't someone else, didn't other Mandalorians have that look when Maul took over the planet? Yeah, but I mean, that whole faction died out. Which, by the way, I'm glad they finally addressed that. The what Death happened Watch. to Death Watch, yeah. <laughs> but they're not dead. They are still calling themselves the Watch. So they, they splintered off into different groups, right? And so part of that group was this whole Children of the Watch thing. But then I would assume the other group is those super commandos too. Because like in, in Rebels, that's that's what they kind of explained also, that um, Gar Saxon, who, who we saw in the Clone Wars, was part of Darth Maul's tribe, was an Imperial now. Hmm. Yeah, do you think there's too many things going on here to tie it all up in one last episode? 100%, yeah. But I also feel like I don't think they mean to tie all of this up in, in, in one. There's too much to, to do that. I I just want to see what happens. Obviously, I think... Well, not obviously. I don't know. Like, I hope they do free Din and he doesn't actually end up getting killed off this season. Um... I saw some people talking about that just because technically it's become more of a shift in focus from Mando to, to Bo. But I don't know. I, I don't think they're getting rid of Pedro Pascal anytime soon. Um, That's the second time he's been captured on this planet. And he's yeah, been there twice. Maybe he should stop and just like settle down in Navarro. Like, Yeah. Honestly, you had a job back at Navarro. Take it. Open a tequila company. Like The market's like, look at like I don't know. He's got a million things he can do. He's a landowner now. <laughs> no, I, I think that might be the only thing that they can truly resolve. I imagine Moth is getting away again. Not again. They need to kill him off, I think, this season. Why? He, he always gets away. Uh, his, his armor looks pretty sweet, too. Like, I'm not going to lie like that. And the cape that 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 man has flair. Like this guy was everything Vader was and everything Maul wasn't. That plan of Gideon's is actually kind of like th- that's been reverberating this entire season. Like from Pershing's whole presentation of like merging things from different um, species to create a better or, or a cure for different things. And then you got this guy here culturally appropriating <laughs> all this Mando stuff and saying like, "Oh, I'm gonna take the best of the Jedi and the best of the Mandos." 
and the best of the Empire. Very conceited way of being like, I perfected the, the Dark Trooper armor by putting me in it. <laughs> yeah, well, that w- doesn't make it any better. You lost the Dark Saber immediately to to Din. He was uh, using a but, spear. <laughs> yeah. The thing I don't get, though, is like the beginning of this episode, they just like move on from Pershing when they could have easily just freed him. Yeah, I don't. So I don't know how much like, of that. I'm gonna keep like coming that. back to that one episode that they made us watch, where it was all Coruscant. But like, they should have freed him at the end. It makes no sense to like furthering their cause. A friend of mine said that he thinks that the purpose of that whole episode was to introduce the fact that the, that they have a man, that, like that there's access to a man, a mind flayer. And so he thinks that at some point they're gonna have. They're gonna do something with that and and then, but I don't know. I, I I think that there's like the Dr. Pershing stuff had some sort of like finality with this episode, but there's still elements of it. Yeah, I, I just don't understand. Like, if the guy's plan is to create an army of clone, like force sensitive clones with Beskar armor, first of all, that sounds badass. But secondly, <laughs> how can you do that then without your chief scientist who didn't complete his research? Yeah, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Plus. I don't get how you make this ambush happen, and you really only get two Mandalorians out of it. Yeah, well, it also kind of shows, like, for one, the efficiency of the Mandalorians, and then also the fact that, like, I guess it's why he was trying to prevent them from uniting again, right? Because they do present a bit of a threat. I'm excited on the prospect that we finally got to hear that Thrawn's coming and like there's this little like yeah. council of people. Cause like the one thing I, I will credit the Pershing episode with is like really going into depth as to how messed up the new Republic is and the fact that they're dismantling their own like military force. Yeah. M- meanwhile, on the far side of the galaxy, there's this guy that's collecting all these resources. But did you catch the little like the line from I guess Hux's dad, where he was saying that he's collecting a lot of resources. I think Moff Gideon tells him he's been collecting a ton of resources and yep. not sharing them with anybody. Like to me, I, I thought immediately that around this time they should be starting to construct the Star Killer base thing from Force Awakens. Yeah. So I was like, that makes sense. You know, like there's little pieces here. I, I love that we're starting to connect the the sequel trilogy to this because like I'm I'm looking forward to retroactively going back and appreciating those, those movies a little bit more with maybe some more uh, details in, in face. Would you want anything with like the arms dealers that were on like Canto Bite? Like, no, we can who... forget about that whole thing. I'm good with I don't that. Know. I kind of would rather see some like deals where somebody's selling like ships to both sides and like they can see that both sides are arming up for the war kind of thing. Like, but oh, the as other a side con- doesn't see it. As a concept, yeah. Like I, th- I think that that worked, and th- but that's why I was so disappointed about that plot in La- Last Jedi. It's a great detail, and and they're right. Like just look at war privateers in the real yeah. world. But they never followed up with anything. Right. Like, they never gave you a like. Also, oh, this is why I do this. He's just like, oh, don't join any side. <laughs> Meanwhile, he goes off and sells to both sides. So yeah. Yeah, I think that would be a nice element here because it is what. What I've seen with Andor and what I, what we're seeing with this, it is this element, like this view of here's why the Empire failed because they were too strict in their rules. Here's why the rebellion failed after winning because they were, you know, too loose with their rules and allowed too many people uh, to be making up the like, how everything's run. So I want to see like the actual downfall of each of those or the rise of the other one. Yeah. And I think they could continue exploring that with like the first order stuff. Right. Cause I think all we know about Snoke is like, he was a clone of some, of somebody that went wrong. And then he ended up getting political power, but not, not until after he got deformed during a fight with Luke Skywalker. So there's still story to tell on that. I just, I, mean, I don't know how much of it I want to see, too. I feel like that's also a... a well, yeah, is that is this the place for it, or is it a di- totally different show that should be owning that? Or make, just not at all? I'll make a guess that I think Snoke 
will pop up at some point as some sort of acolyte for Thrawn. He gets disfigured or something, and we won't find out that that's Snoke until after some sort of confrontation with Luke in that movie that Dave Filoni is going to do. Like, I think, like, if there was a smart play to, to do to work Snoke into there, that, that's the route to go. Um, but I, like, I don't know. I'm I'm excited that the world building is is finally hitting full throttle. And I think overall, honestly, man, like, even with the uh, kind of, I guess, crappy quality of the last episode before this one, um, I still think overall I enjoyed this season. I think it might be the weakest narratively out of the three seasons we've gotten so far. But overall, I've like I'm still enjoying the show. I think it's uh it has a few bumps here and there, but it's been going well, at least for me. Yeah, I think this is probably better than season two and probably just under season one. I think because season one was so new and and they did so many things with it, but I, I'm going to be interested to watch the director's tables for these. And th- those usually get you a new appreciation for what what was put on screen. I hope they do those into like those 45 minute episodes instead of like one big documentary. Like I, yeah. I, I love the fact that they would drop it like a series before. Yeah, I, I preferred that style that they did for season one, where it was talk about each episode. Because you get that Filoni speech on the movies one through six yeah that so i think i had heard him talk about this uh, something similar on on a podcast a couple years ago but that speech of the duel of the fates and phantom menace was like the biggest full circle moment i think for a lot of people that weren't familiar with his work where you got the sense of like yeah this guy gets it you know this guy gets the lore this guy gets the the whole reasoning of why things happen the way they did um, but also like formalizes what you've watched. Like not yeah. think, like for myself even. I won't speak for other fans, but I think a lot of people do just absorb the each movie for itself and then can vaguely look at the big picture. But I think that was like such a well organized thesis of why those movies worked. Yeah, and I'm not gonna lie, I look at Phantom Menace with a lot more appreciation now than I did before. Like, and they used to be my least favorite out of the the prequels. I think Attack of the Clones is that now. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. But there's stuff in it, and it, this that's the thing. Like, I I was having this whole conversation with a buddy of mine re- over the weekend. But um, I think the reason why I latch onto Star Wars so much, and I feel like no matter what happens, I bounce back to Star Wars. It's that it feels like reading mythology. And I've always been like a big fan of that kind of thing. And and I think I, I love that the stories keep that flow. Um, and I think that that's why some people get bothered when it skews away from that. So like when you look at something like Andor or you look at something like Last Jedi, it tries to make it a little bit more real worldy. And that's just not what that world is. You know, that world is very mythological. And I think that that's why um, it kind of, you know, some 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 things land and some things don't land in this world and i don't know there's a part of me that just kind of thinks like this world works when we get into the myths of stuff like i don't know about you but i'm excited to see what they do with the mythosaur next week because that still needs to get paid off um but it's it's stuff like that like i don't know i I, i'm excited to see where it goes i've been i've been enjoying the ride so far and i you know i'm I hope the gap between this season and the release of the next one isn't as, as big as this past gap has been. I didn't even think about the Mythosaur. I'm really just looking forward to like a giant space battle between the Mandalorian fleet and the other warlords. Question for you, or a wager, I guess, or something. How much stock do you put in Boba Fett showing up in this next episode? Whoa. I have zero stock in that. Zero. I'll take the under. I thought before I was pretty sure he was going to show up, but I think after seeing this episode, I'm I'm going to put some in here. I'm going to say there's like a 25% chance he shows up. No, I would short that every day of the week. <laughs> there's I no reason think, for him to be come, to come back. Well, like Bo-Katan's going to need extra help if, the, if, the, if this has happened. We also don't know if that fleet of hers has survived because those bombers were on their way to, to attack them. A couple bombers against the whole fleet. I'll take the money on the on the fleet. 
I don't know. I mean, one of those pilots has got to be like a Luke Skywalker caliber fighter. (laughs) And we got the armor out there. (laughs) If she turns out to be a spy, I'm going to be so sad. It would be interesting because she is the one who pushed for everyone coming together. That and somebody pointed something out to me that I didn't. I I don't know how I didn't realize this. Enough of the horns. No, the 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 scene where after they take Navarro, um, when she asks to speak to Bo-Katan, when Bo's coming down the stairs, the music changes to a little bit of a remix of Snoke's theme, and um, and the Mandal- and and the Armorer's theme, and so I'm like, but but why would you do that? Um, I don't know that and like. Why are we still calling her the armorer? What's her real name? Like, what's up with her? <laughs> Does she have no name? <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to go back and look for that that music because I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, I'll I'll take another look at it. But like, I I could have sworn there's like a there is a, ch- a shift in the musical themes, and like Star Wars is very much like that, like kind yeah. of hinting at certain things like ray's theme from force awakens is a remix of palpatine's theme yeah which they weren't even sure they were going to go that route until rise of skywalker so all of a sudden the, you have this little getcha gotcha card yeah but well, anyway. well stay tuned to find out stay tuned i hope i can't wait to see lizzo take the creed next week like that's going to be the highlight of the finale to me i think oh yeah yeah can't wait for uh, Jack Black to sing a song. Yeah. Like he, like he did his Bowser. <laughs> peaches, peaches, peaches. But I think that, that about wraps up my thoughts on this on this whole thing. I don't know if you have anything else to add on. No, you've said everything. You've, you've said enough. Okay. I think I spoke the nope, most stop. in this episode. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. Think, yeah. Six was a tough one. Seven got us back on track. I hope we just end the season really well. And it's with a banger. Like, let's let's get more deaths in there. Kill off, kill off Axe. Whoa. Leave my boy, leave my girl Casca Reeves alone, though. She better not. Like, she better survive. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. All right, man. Let's get out of here. Later.